good morning to you all. I'm conscious of the fact that I'm coming between you and your coffee break, um, and after a very interesting panel there. So my job today is to present to you the New Ireland Fund. Uh, the New Ireland Fund, as the name implies, it gives a good clue, uh, invests in, the, in stocks listed in Irish, uh, excuse me, in Ireland, uh, taking advantage of the strength of the Irish economy that I'll discuss here this morning. In point of fact, let me just uh, move the slide along here. Um, there are three aspects I want to particularly bring to your attention with regard to the fund. Uh, the first is the uh, exposure to really what is a very exciting uh, Irish economy uh, growing very rapidly at the moment. Um, as you can see, as, as, the, as the points made there, it, is, it has been the fastest growing economy in the Eurozone for the last four years, from 2014 to 17 inclusive. And I'll come back to that later and show you more details. So by quite some distance, the fastest growing economy, in fact, one of the fastest growing economies anywhere in the developed world, I think the fastest. In fact, I haven't seen a country in the developed world growing more quickly than it over the last couple of years. Uh, we've also seen a tremendous growth throughout uh, the economy. It hasn't just been led by the, uh, by the external sector or the internal sector. You've seen both uh, external trade and the domestic portions of the economy do very well. It's also an economy that has a lot of uh, a considerably high level of investor confidence from the fiscal side of things and the bond markets, for example. The Irish government can borrow money for about 1% for 10 years. Uh, that's a considerably lower bond yield even than is available to the US, notwithstanding the US's very, very high credit rating uh, and being regarded as one of the safest bets in the world. Uh, and Ireland does have an A credit rating from all three credit rating agencies. You may be aware, of course, that Ireland went through an enormous fiscal crisis about 10 years ago, a little less than 10 years ago. One of the biggest fiscal crises, unfortunately, experienced in the developed world. So that's the flip side of it. But we're well through that now, and I think Ireland is, has well re-established itself as a credible investment area, uh, a credible uh, uh, investment-grade economy uh, by now. Um, and importantly, as I'll come back to later, the strong economic growth we've seen over the last few years has not been driven uh, by a credit boom. In fact, if anything, as I'll show you, you've seen a significant reduction in the amount of credit in the economy, and you've seen a major improvement in the fiscal finances um, of the state as well, as I already mentioned. So it's not a debt-driven, credit-driven expansion, which is always very important given the history of the last 10 or 20 years around the world. And in particular, the Irish economy has generated this growth, as I'll shortly address, by being, in essence, a very, very attractive location to do business in. It's as simple as that, as I'll explain in a moment. Uh, the second factor, sorry, skipping ahead there slightly, but the second factor, I think, that makes the Ireland Fund very interesting is that it also has a considerable exposure to the European economy, mainly directly and also somewhat indirectly. The Irish economy, of course, is integrated into the Eurozone economy, as you would expect. Ireland is a member of the Eurozone. And the European economy itself has been growing at really a very steady rate, very, very, uh, almost a rapid rate over the last few years, something that in a way has been to a degree unnoticed by investors. Uh, one of the strongest growing, uh, the, one of the strongest growing economies relative to trend, or regions that relative to trend that we have seen in the world over the last few years. And yet it's not particularly loved by investors and valuations of European equities tend to be somewhat lower than those of their US equivalent or considerably lower than those of the US equivalent. So Europe is an area which is interesting from an economic perspective and yet undervalued and to a degree unloved. With regard to the portfolio itself um, and the New Ireland Fund itself, uh, as the slide shows you there, it has generated significant outperformance relative to its benchmark over both one, three, and five years. 
uh, over three and five years, that outperformance is about 3.5% per annum, so very substantial. And in absolute terms, it's produced something of the order of 20% per annum returns since inception. The inception date uh, is about 25 years ago, so it's over a long period of time. If we turn first to the Irish economy, as I mentioned a minute ago, you know, fundamentally when you invest in companies in the economy, you want to invest in companies which are operating in an environment which is business friendly and operate in, 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 in an environment where companies can make money. And this is survey data from various different international surveys around the world. And really Ireland does spectacularly well, um, as you can see. Uh, and it may be a little hard to read from the back, so excuse me if, I, if, I, if people don't mind if I just read them out with apologies to those at the front who can see them. But this slide, for example, shows you that Ireland is rated as the best country in Western Europe to invest in, the first in the world for the flexibility and adaptability of its people and workforce. Now just think about how important that is, because any employer looking to locate a business around the world is looking for a flexible and adaptable workforce. And the best workforce rated by surveys in the world for that is Ireland. And think about how important that is to the economy. It's also rated first in the world for inward investment by quality and value, first in the world for investment incentives, and in the top 10 most innovative countries in the world. So it's no surprise, I think, that Ireland has been a very attractive base for many international companies. But that's survey data. Uh, survey data is soft data, perhaps you can't fully rely, rely on it. So let's look at what, what that has actually produced. Let's look at the facts on the ground in terms of ha have international businesses found Ireland to be an attractive location? Well, as the slide shows again, 16 of the top 20 global software companies are located there. In fact, within a half a mile of my office in central Dublin, you have the European headquarters of Facebook, the European headquarters of Google, uh, you have European headquarters, let me see, of Twitter, uh, PayPal, I believe, as well, all in a very central location, which has sort of anecdotally become no, known as Google Quarter, uh, all in Dublin. Uh, and they're, they're not doing that, as some people might suspect, for tax reasons, because to take advantage of the nice tax boost there is for locating in Ireland uh, and for some of the less, uh, shall we say, less real tax advantages, but in the sense of being tangible, uh, related to tangible business, all you really need is an accountant and a brass plate. These companies are not locating in Ireland because of that tax advantage, they're locating there because of the real benefits of doing business there. But you can also see that in medical technology, 13 out of the top 15 companies in the world are located there. All 10 of the top pharma companies are located there, and so on and so on, 20 to 25 financials. Uh, and is it eight or nine out of 10, eight out of 10 of the top industrial automation companies also located there. So it's, it's the proof of the pudding, I suppose, is in the eating. It's not just about survey data that say, yes, uh, uh, Ireland is a nice place to do business. The fact is the companies are locating there and they're locating there because it's a good place to do business. And simple as that. Irish, the main focus of Irish industrial policy since the 1960s has been to make the Irish economy an attractive place to do business. That's the bottom line and it's worked. What does that mean in terms of producing economic growth? Well, there's a problem. And the problem, in a sense, is how ridiculously strong uh, that 2015 number is. So let me just explain the chart. The blue chart to the left, or it comes off across as a bit gray on this chart, for each period, for each year, is headline Irish GDP. And it's almost literally off the charts, as you can see. The officially recognized, calculated in line with the best international standards measured of GDP in Ireland rose by 25.5% uh, two years ago. 
which is, oh, sorry, three years ago in 2015, which is just crazy. That would be as much economic growth as a typical developed economy like the US would generate over an entire decade. And the truth is it is crazy. It's factually correct, you know, that old, uh, uh, that old phrase about three, three kinds of lies, lies, damn lies, and statistics. This statistic is perfectly correct, but utterly meaningless. So basically, no economist will pay any attention to it. The reason it's meaningless is because it is very much related to the movements of certain multinational companies. These multinationals tend to be far bigger than the entire Irish economy. And when they move books, uh, when they move books of intellectual property, or they move their accounts from uh, their business from one part of their, their uh, global network of companies to another, from one country to another, it can have a massive distorting effect on GDP. I could spend the whole talk, talk just talking about that 25% number, but I won't, but just to say nobody pays as much attention. So let's move on to a better way of looking at the numbers. And in this case, what we're using in each case, the blue bar now, the right-hand side bar for each of the time periods, is an adjusted measure of GDP, which basically is a more real measure, a, a, a measure that looks at what does the real, onshore, meaningful Irish economy grow by each year. But again, despite the fact that you don't have that insane 25.5% growth in one year, you can see it has been very strong. Typically around the six, the five to six to seven percent level for the last few years, which is two to three to four times higher than you would get in the Eurozone in Europe. In this chart, the beige line is the Eurozone, uh, and the, the uh, I suppose you would call it maroon, uh, purple uh, uh, color is the US. So you can see that Irish, Irish economic growth has been very strong indeed over that period, far surpassing all uh, the, the two other major economic blocks, the US and the Eurozone. It's not just about GDP though. Let's look at the labor market, what's happening to unemployment. It's a good indicator of what's really happening in the economy. You can see that unemployment was as high as 15, 16% some years ago and it's fallen now to the point that it's just 6.6%. It has come down very dramatically, and it's now well below the European average while still somewhat higher than the US level. And indeed, as you probably know, European economies tend to always have a higher level of unemployment than you will see in, in the US uh, because they have higher social protection and so on, making it less essential, I suppose, for people to find jobs, uh, to give the short version of the story. Uh, so very strong labor market, plenty of growth as shown by the unemployment rate as well as that. I mentioned already that the growth has not been produced by debt, a, a debt uh, or credit boom. Here you can see simply the total level of personal credit in Ireland over the last few years. And you can see not only has it come down relative to GDP, it's actually come down of its own level. So there's now something like 60 plus billion less credit in the economy, less debt from Irish consumers than there was six or seven years ago. Um, that's an amazing story if you think about it. If you think that this economy has managed to grow by typically five, six, seven percent per year, at the same time as consumers have been paying down their debt, as has the corporate sector, by the way, but this focuses on the consumer sector here. It's quite an incredible achievement. And while the consumer sector has been paying down debt, Ireland's government has been getting its books in order and is now basically back to balance. You can see that you go back to 2011, the government there was running a, 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 a fiscal deficit of about 9% of GDP, and basically this year that should be wiped out, and the government has essentially balanced its books. Very, very few countries in the developed world are doing that. The only one I can think of off the top of my head is Germany. I'm sure there are one or two more, but very few of them other than Germany are managing to balance their books, and Ireland, of course. So a nice achievement there. Um, sorry, next slide to move on. Um, it's a very much export-driven economy, although the, the, uh, and in that sense, I think it's important to note that this fund does also benefit 
from the growth of the Eurozone economy, which is its main trading partner, the European economy, which is its main, tr main trading partner. You can see here the figures for exports as a percentage of GDP. Even from traditional exporting countries like Japan, everybody thinks of Japan as being an exporting country, 18% of GDP is exported. For the US, it's only 13, and for Ireland, it's a massive 120% of its annual GDP is exported. So Ireland is very, very much an exporting country geared into global growth and European growth. And European growth, this, this chart relates to Europe, European growth is pretty good. The green bars are the uh, GDP growth in each quarter. You'll see there was a bit of a dip in Q1 of this year, which is, we believe, related primarily to one-solve factors. Uh, even the uh, severe incidence of the flu, of influenza in the first quarter had an impact on economic activity. It was so severe, the epidemic. Uh, and on the other hand, we had extreme weather and various other effects. So we don't think this is much more than a blip. But on the whole, if you look at the level of growth, it's been very strong, up around 2.5% growth for the last several quarters, last year or two. That's a very strong rate of growth and well above trend for Europe. So doing well there, and you can see unemployment coming down as well. Turning next to the portfolio, first of all, to make the point it's well diversified. It's a small economy and a small market, but most, most sectors are represented within the market, as you've seen. Obviously, there is a bit of a, uh, an overweight there of industrials and materials, but it is pretty well diversified market. The valuation of the portfolio is pretty attractive. The blue bar in each case here is the portfolio. The purple is the Irish market. And the beige, can we call it beige? We call it beige, is the US market, just for comparison. So you can see the dividend yield in the portfolio is quite a bit higher than the Irish market, and that's deliberate. That's the name of the portfolio. You can see the price to cash flow is very cheap uh, relative to the market or to the US. And you can see the P is a little bit more expensive as we would consider ourselves as a GARP manager willing to pay up a little bit for quality, uh, pay a somewhat higher valuation than the market for good quality stocks. A quick word on the top three stocks in the portfolio, CRH, a building materials firm, located in Ireland with Irish management, but very, very much a global player, lots of exposure to the US economy, lots of exposure to the Eurozone economy, a very well respected company, highly respected management team, uh, certainly one we're very happy to own. Ryanair, you may know of, it's the world's largest carrier of international passengers. It's Europe's largest carrier of all passengers combined. Uh, you can kind of think of it as being the European equivalent, Southwest, equivalent of Southwest Airlines. Uh, it started off with one plane, but uh, must be about 20, 25 years ago now, has now become the world's largest international carrier. Phenomenal growth, very strong cash flow generation, very profitable continually, uh, a great success story. Smurfit Kappa, a different, a less exciting company, paper and packaging, but obviously, again, a play on global growth, located in Ireland, again, very much like CRH, but very, very much uh, selling and distributing all over the world, but particularly in the US uh, and Europe. So Irish management, but a global company. Quick word on performance, always very important. Uh, here we have the performance there. The top line there is the New Ireland Fund itself. And you, compare, you can compare that with the other two lines, one of which is the Irish market and one of which is the S&P, the S&P being the purple. You can see here the benefits of active management. The fund itself has significantly outperformed the market uh, since inception, and you can see that it's been pretty steady and consistent in doing so. Uh, the active management of the fund certainly has worked in the sense that it's produced a positive outperformance. A quick word on three investment themes we're running within, within the fund. Uh, starting with Irish economy exposure. I don't really need to go back over why we think that's a very positive thing. Obviously, the Irish economy growing very strongly. 
Uh, AIB Bank, which is very much focused, has some exposure to the UK, but very much focused on, 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 on Ireland in the main. Uh, like any bank, very much linked in and geared to the Irish, to its own economy. Delat is a hotel group. Hotels obviously very linked to the Irish economy, very linked to the growth of tourism and so on, uh, performing very well, growing, growing strongly uh, uh, in, in terms of hotels and acquisitions. It's been building out its portfolio of hotels for some time. The last couple of days it's announced some new acquisitions. Apple Green you may not be familiar with, it's a retailer. Gas stations, in fact it's recently expanded, although up to now it has been a pure play in the US, it's recently moved in, in Ireland, excuse me, it's recently moved into the US as well. If you live in Long Ireland, you might have seen some of its gas stations out there. And then we have quality companies, but geared to European exposure, that would be Kingspan, a, a manufacturer and distributor of energy efficient building products, very much at the, the, the higher end in terms of new tech in the building supplies side of things. Sangaban is a French company, uh, but again, uh, the, the, I should have mentioned the fund is allowed to invest in a small number of stocks outside Ireland to get diversification, and we've done that by investing in this, Sang this company, Sangoban, French building supply material company. So again, getting exposure to the Eurozone economy, Smurfit Capital we mentioned already. And then we're also looking at companies with good dividend yields. Green Coat Renewables is, as the name implies, a renewable energy company. It's looking to pay a, it's a new stock, but looking to pay a dividend yield of about 6%, very attractive. Covanta is a waste energy company, again, looking at a very high dividend yield. And Bank of Ireland, two banks, uh, two main banks in Ireland, also a good dividend payer. So lots of, uh, lots of uh, uh, teams running in the portfolio, uh, most of them exposed to the Irish economy, but bearing in mind also a lot of very, very high quality companies operating in Ireland, uh, operating in Ireland and from Ireland, but selling all over the world, genuine global growth companies based in Ireland that you can exposure to through the New Ireland Fund and the New Ar and the Ireland stock market. And with that, uh, if there's time, I we can take some questions. I'm not sure if anybody has a microphone or whether you want to just shout or. Could I ask you to just comment on Brexit and the impact or potential impact of Brexit on on Ireland and, and your fund? Absolutely. I thought somebody would ask me, which is why I even have a chart ready. <laughs> uh, and that wasn't a setup. Um, uh, the, the impact of Brexit is, uh, first of all, the whole Brexit issue, you know, we can stay here until 6 p.m. this evening talking about Brexit in its own right and what might happen. But let, let's, let's be quick about it and let's, let's hit the main points. We don't know what will happen. It, you'd have to assume that the prospect of the UK leaving Brexit without a negotiated transition deal, a smooth exit, is so so unbelievably damaging to the UK economy that it's very unlikely to happen. So you have to assume there'll be some kind of a smooth transition. If that happens, there are two, two issues for Ireland. On the trade side, Ireland has been used, Irish companies have been used to being able to export to Europe through the UK and to the UK as end customers without any trade barriers, any customs, anything. You can load a truck here, you can load a truck in Ireland, unload it in Ireland without any, in the UK without any paperwork. That will change and that will have an obvious negative effect on the economy. However, the economy is now, as I said, growing at five or six percent per year. So if ever you were to want, you never want a negative economic shock like that could be, but if it is to happen, it might as well happen when the economy is growing very quickly. So I would think that if you look at that impact of trade, it could be a percent, at the outside, maybe two percent uh, 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 negative on growth at a time when growth is already running at five or six. So unwelcome, unwanted, but not too bad. The flip side of that, just to mention though, is that an awful lot of businesses currently in the UK are saying we need to be in the EU. We can't afford to be the wrong side of the trade barriers. We can't afford to cut off in the European markets. We need to be in the EU. So where will we move to? 
and they look at coming 50 miles across the Irish Sea to an economy that speaks English, that has a similar legal system, similar culture, they get the same radio and TV stations, they get the same newspapers. It's very largely, they, it's very easy for them to move their location to Ireland. And as we saw already, Ireland is a fantastically attractive place to do business for international businesses as the first and second charts I put up right there earlier. So there's some benefit. There's a significant risk from the point of view of the damage to trade. Um, and in the time available, that's probably all the time I have to go into. But on the whole, if you were to get, ever to get a negative shock, it's probably best to have it now when the economy is doing very well. I think we're over time, but I suppose we could squeeze in one, one more question. Um, I don't know if somebody wants, I, I, that was the first uh, person I caught my eye. And if we have time, sir, we'll, we'll try and get to you. Um, just your last bullet point up there. Uh, could you explain why you think real estate would possibly stand to benefit? Sorry, could you? Could you explain why you think real estate? Yes, re real estate, because a lot of banks in particular, well, financial institutions in London are going to lose their license to operate in the EU. When Brexit happens, uh, a, a financial institution in the UK now, sorry, let, let's start at the beginning. A financial institution in the UK now, who, based in London, will find it uh, very, very easy to sell their products and services anywhere in the Europe today. They're basically very minimal of paperwork to sell anywhere in the EU if they're based in London. Post-Brexit, that won't be the case. So they need a location in a, Europe, in, a, in a Eurozone country, European Union country. As I mentioned, Lo Dublin is a very obvious place to come from. It's not that they're all moving to Dublin. Some are going to Luxembourg, some are going to Paris, some are going to Frankfurt, but many of them are coming to Dublin. When they come to Dublin, they're in need of office space and there's a huge office, in particular office real estate boom in the Dublin market for precisely that reason at the moment. And I will try and squeeze in maybe one more question here that caught my eye. Was somebody there? Mr. Set? Is that because CRH is just such a dominant company in Ireland, or you guys just like it that much to be, looks like nearly a quarter of the portfolio? I'll just repeat the question first. Why is CRH so big? Essentially, is it because it just is a big company? Sorry, sorry. Why is so why is CRH such a big part of the portfolio? Uh, and is it because it's a big part of the index or because we like it? And the very short answer is both. Uh, it is a very big part of the index. It's 20, well, it moves around, but 24, 25% of the index, something like that. I might be out by a percent or so, but something around that. And uh, we really like it as a company. We think it has very good management team, as I mentioned already, uh, very geared into global growth. And we're not particularly concerned about global growth at the moment, particularly in Europe, uh, where we think it's very well underpinned. So A, it's a big stock in the market, and B, we like it on top of that. And very quickly, is the fund levered, and how large is the fund? It's not levered at all. Uh, the, ooh, how large is the fund? It's, it's of the order of $100 million. And, and sorry, because it moves around, and you just caught me slightly, I don't have the exact number. It, it could, might be slightly smaller. As Lilia here, colleague, uh, anyway, but anyway, it's, it's, it's of that order. I think we'll finish there. Thank you very much for your attention.